Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Jung and the Restless. I'm Jung. I'm here I'm with Restless. restless. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you're just tuning in, you missed the first half of our podcast that Restless was not recording. Um, so we're, we, uh, I didn't want to interrupt you. It's an, it's Enneagram nine, man. It's, it's, a perfect, iner, it's inertia. I just had a hard time stopping the conversation. That's a perfect segue. The problem is as a five, I just used probably a week's worth of words <laughs> in 10 minutes. And my voice has about 10 more minutes. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about the Enneagram because both of us, as it turns out, filter like every or almost every human interaction um, through the lens of the Enneagram. And I, I've been talking to some guys who don't filter interactions through the Enneagram. And I'm trying to explain to them basically why my brain works that way. Um, and I, I feel like most people at this point are familiar with the Enneagram, but a lot of people have sort of dismissed it because it is on the surface, just like a another personality test that, you know, maybe there's, it has a little insight, maybe it's fun, but there's no real real value. Um, so this is fun for me because even like, even um, TV shows, like every, I have to type like every character um, and even sports teams, I, every athlete, I mean, they're all either threes, eights or seven feet tall. Um, but like, that's just the way my brain functions at this point. And that's the weird part is it, you, we, you have to be able to empirically say that like the foundations of this thing are valid in order for it to be worth anything. But for most of us, we start at like, this works. I don't know why it works and I don't know how it works, but like, it's so it's just deadly accurate that I can predict and interpret what people are doing through their Enneagram type. If I just know their type and I can figure out just from getting to know them, I can figure out their type and from knowing their type, I can get to know them. And so what were you going to say, Nate? Yeah. Well, do you remember the, do you remember the text that I sent you when I introduced you to the Enneagram? No. And I said, hey, there's this there's this uh, personality test. Um, and you were like, oh, cool. And I was like, yeah, but uh, it's completely subjective and is not in any way backed up in empirical data. And you were like, say no more. Sign me up. <laughs> and you get to pick your own number. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That's the weird part, too. Um, but it's 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 a uh, it's like a. All right, so so I went out on a, I went on a date once, and with uh, you know, and like you go out on a first date, and you're like, don't 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 talk about it, don't talk about it, don't talk about it, 
And then eventually you're like, uh, okay, whatever. It's going to come up. And she was a therapist. So she was all about it. She knew all about it. And she was like, she was like, Hey man, what do you, what do you call somebody that's in, into the Enneagram um, and a vegan? And I was like, I don't know what. And she was like, your youth minister. (laughs) What do you call somebody that's into the Enneagram and does CrossFit? And I was like, I don't know what. And she was like a narcissist. And I was like, let's go on another date. You win. Because it's so easy to both completely troll, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And also it gives you such a helpful vocabulary for your every, like for your experiences every day. Right. Well, Um, you can, you can troll, you can use it to troll because it's so, because it works every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not every time, but almost every time. And it like, I mean, that's, that's, that's why you can make memes out of it is because it works. And so, and that's where people, that that's where it gets a little weird because people are like, if you listen to Enneagram experts, you know, it, it well, the Enneagram is a mystery and you have to be content to live in the tension of, of unknowing and just, you know, we can't explain everything empirically and that's fine. That's okay to stay there and to just accept that because it works. But like, if it works, then we ought to be able to explain why it works. Like to, uh, to me, uh, like trying to tell somebody else the value of it without explaining how it works and just, just trust me. Just trust me. You'll when you do it, <laughs> you'll get you'll get it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I can, you know, I can't convince anyone to do anything ever. So, like trying to convince someone to do the any, I'm I mean, I'm the worst, you know, convincer. Um. So I like I need, and and you know I need to know why it, like why does it map onto the circle? That doesn't make any. You can't just tell me that this personality test is so descriptive and predictive and then it maps onto this weird star shape and just go, just, just go with it. It's a mystery. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not good enough. Well, I think one of the best ways to know, one of the best ways to prove just how effective it is, is to look at the way that people respond to finding out their number yeah right like what seven do you know that doesn't absolutely love the fact that they're a seven? Oh, they're thrilled to find thrilled. out thrilled best day ever um and like uh <clears throat> i i was on um i have a, a friend who's a four and we were on a uh a study abroad trip with some students last summer and so like we're we're in the van for like hours right one day it's like nine hours with these students so you talk about all kinds of stuff the enneagram comes up and uh he's a four right so he doesn't like being typed right uh, and so the students are like yeah 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 what 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 number are you what number are you and he was like you know what i am i'm a four wing go fuck yourself that's what i am (laughs) we're like that's not that's not even the right way to say it man no (laughs) but but i was like that's you couldn't give me a better answer. But see that for being a four. 
Yeah. You just you just fulfilled your stereotype. It's so predictive because none of us can understand you. You're right. Yeah. And there's a there's a zero percent chance that a one would say that, or a two would say that, or Or a nine, or like you have you just you have to be a four to say that. Yeah. And it just proves that that that's what like it's so predictive and descriptive. It has to be true, but then you go. I don't know, man. I'm like, this is, it's a weird, like, how are the types even connected? Like when, like that doesn't make any sense that my type would be close to another type on this circle. And maybe they're not, maybe wings, maybe wings are nonsense. I don't know, but they don't, it doesn't seem like they are. Um, but so this guy, um, I did a little bit of probing into like, okay, so how did this really come about? And this, um, this philosopher, Gurdjieff, you ever heard of Gurdjieff? No. He's like, he was like a, he was like a philosopher that I think he coined the term new age. He was, he was kind of a gypsy. He just, I think he was born in Romania and then he, spent a long time in Russia and then like turn of the century and then ended up in America. He came up with all kinds of theories and he had like a school that followed him. Anyway, he was an eccentric dude, but he brought back at some point he discovered the, the actual symbol, the circle with the arrows. And he, um, had a theory, but he didn't, he didn't map like, anything even close to what we see it now but he had this theory that every person is directed by either intellect um basically head heart and body so intellect emotions and like physical instinct so that's the that's the what the mind gut and and heart and heart yeah yeah so he came up with like that triad which okay that kind of makes sense everybody when you have to make decisions you're either led by rational in- intellect you're led by emotion or your you know your heart feeling center or you're led sort of instinctively like you know fire ready aim where you're it's not you're not processing until after the after you've already done so after you've already taken action that's the instinct one's harder to explain but it but it makes sense if you think about those triads as as a starting point well you have to under you have to understand it um over against the other two that's that's when it becomes clear right right so the other you know, like so the instinct part or the gut part is honestly sounds pretty ridiculous and i think like kind of transparently self self-serving you know um when you try to explain to somebody what that is where you're like no you know i just kind of feel it and 
it really sounds to me like I'm trying to escape any kind of responsibility for my own decisions. Right. right? Yeah. But when you when you put it in in context with the other two, then you actually can see how how the decision making differentiates itself. Right. And vice versa. Yeah. Well, and if you think about the brainstem, so you, you you get your body, your senses give you some kind of feeling. Your senses give you data that hits your brainstem. And that immediately prompts a feeling. The feeling comes first. The, the affect, whether it's fear or excitement or, ner you know, nervousness, whatever that feeling is that your senses give you and then you feel something and then usually your feeling prompts a response like an action response however you know with like now that you know we've evolved to have a prefrontal cortex now we have this like layer of rational thinking over top of that yeah. process yeah so in a sense, you've already got the triad right there. You've got the, you know, your <laughs> senses give you some kind of stimuli. You feel something and then that causes you to do something unless your, your cognition, unless your rationale overrides that instinct. And then you make some sort of intellectual decision that trumps your feelings and your natural proclivity for action. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think Gurdjieff's that triad works. I mean, um, neurologically and just experientially, if you just say head, heart and body, which is, um, I mean, really, it's the foundation for the Enneagram, but I think that triad works. Well, I think it works in part because it's descriptive and not prescriptive. And I think it stops working the moment it, it sort of crosses into that prescriptive um, category, right? So it, it's just giving you a vocabulary. That's what it's doing. Right. At least for me, it just gives me a vocabulary or some like concepts or a way to understand what's happening. Um, and then, it, but it it stops working. It actually starts becoming limiting when, when I start thinking about like, well, how does a nine with a strong eight wing respond to this? As as if that's going, I'm going to decide based on that, right? It yeah. it kind of becomes a, a a cage. But so long as we just if as we experience it as something that's a tool to help me talk about the parts of my life that are important or the parts of my life that I don't, I don't know how to articulate on my own. Yeah. Um, then, then it becomes, then it becomes like as, as like brilliant and powerful and ridiculous and chaotic as our lives are. Right. It's as, it's like simultaneously completely silly and irrational and also makes perfect sense and yeah and is incredibly helpful because it's just a lens for our own experiences at least that's how i i understand the enneagram yeah well you're kind of looking at 
you're you're looking at the you like you turn the telescope around and you're looking at the lens that you've been yeah. looking through you're looking at the lens that you've been looking through yeah yeah that's right and the reason the the only reason i got into it is because it wasn't prescriptive there was yeah. no like there was no like should or shouldn't attached to it which is what i loved it, there was no like and honestly it was you the the initial reaction for most people is other than sevens is is a neg is a negative like self-conscious yeah. yeah feeling of being like exposed and pro probably sevens feel that way too they just project you know uh Pride. They're just not. They're just not going to linger in it. Yeah, they're not. They're not going to let it kill their buzz. No, no. Do you um, remember? Do you remember the moment you realized you were five? Yeah. Because I test. I test. Get. I tested as a seven. So I, a really unhealthy five. Yeah, but but as soon as I read the description, I was like, I no, guess, no. sort of. And then I, and then I, I think the guy that gave it to me was like, why don't you go, why don't you read about fives? And then yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, that's me. Um, and it was, it was painfully obvious. Right. Uh, um, but I think what you're getting at is what I was thinking about in terms of, of Jung's complexes. And basically, you know, he talks about these, the way our, the way our psyche is structured, it has a, each of us have our own pattern. And he, he uses the word constellation, which I think is a great word for it. But you've got these, you've got this genetic component of the idiosyncrasies that you, that you're born with genetically. But you've also got all of these individual, really early childhood experiences, and you've got memories and fears and dreams that organize themselves into a complex, meaning hmm. like they're 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 like they're like it's like a ball of rubber bands that has to be extricated in order to integrate in it, it's it's like isolated so you know one of the examples was like if you if you had your leg amputated when you were a child and you had to grow up as an amputee you would develop your development would be changed like your experiences would be changed in a dramatic way so that they would structure themselves your 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 desires that your interactions with other people would structure themselves in a way that creates a complex you know there's like yeah the famous ones would be like the napoleonic complex or you, you know where napoleon was small so he you know, put it, he tried to put himself out in the world as, as a large, you know, as a large yeah, superhuman or, you know, the God complex 
Messiah, you know, there's all these complexes that are, that are, but Carl Jung really coined the term, but that's how I think of our Enneagram type is that it's essentially just a complex. It's a way that my idiosyncrasies and my experiences and my individual desires and interactions like they form themselves into this pattern that helped me survive like as a small person and but then they 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 become crystallized because once we figure out that once we figure out that it works then it becomes crystallized and really that complex becomes isolated it's not integrated with the rest of my psyche it's this pattern that sits somewhere in between my and some of it's conscious i'm aware of some of it but a lot of it's just unconscious i just do things and i don't know why and i think that's where like people have i I think that's why we have often such strong reactions when we find our type because so much of that behavior that was crystallized um we've we've been doing it since childhood right and so we have no idea that we're actually doing it or that or that we're able to connect what seem to be these disparate experiences or disparate pattern not patterns but disparate you know, um mindsets or paradigms things that that we don't know how to how to put together cohesively and for a lot of us the enneagram actually uh uh weaves that together for us and you're like, oh my God, this is what I've been doing. Right. I since since I was, you know, since I was six and I couldn't decide, you know, and I felt guilty because I that day I may have liked liked mom more than dad. Oh my God. This is what I've been doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Since well, the time and- that since the time that my sister asked me for a school project, what do you think about the human race? And I said, I don't like it because uh, everybody else has to come in last except the person that wins. Really? Yeah. Amanda, It's a, she, I remember her interviewing me for some kind of social studies project. And she was like, Nate, what do you think about the human race? And I was like, I don't like it because I think only one person can win. You remember that little brown recorder that we had? Yeah. Fisher yeah. Price. Yeah. I, I go back to that when I talk about being a nine. Dude, I've never that was, heard that before. Yeah. Yep. And I remember I, I like I we were in the dining room and I couldn't have been older than six or seven. Like, obviously, I didn't know what a, a human race was. I thought it was like a real race, you know, a real race. Beings, yeah, yeah, that human beings are are running. And I was like, you know, I guess somebody's got to come in last. I don't think I like that. What an existential question for a fourth grader to be asking a first grader. <laughs> I, know. I know. I wish I had. I wish I had been there for that. I wish she would have asked you. Yeah. She would have she would have got more than she bargained for. Yeah. But um, that was like when you're like, so when when did you like as you look back on your childhood, when did you know? Right? Yeah. Like what's the earliest evidence that you can think of? And for me, it's being in the dining room and telling well, Amanda, I don't really like the human race. Yeah. Even just the word race, like just went like rubbed you the wrong way yeah 
Yeah, but then, but then you like it. it you like in in what sport? When I start playing, do I not become like like psychotically engaged in right in yeah. wanting to win? Yeah, and that's where the eight wing comes in, right? Yeah, because I'm not. I, I'm actually not. I'm like fully, but I'm following my impulses like an eight, right? Right. I'm not self-conscious. Yeah. But there's also a little part of you that's that like resents the fact that you have to do this in competition. Like you, you want to win, but you yeah. also are, you also resent the fact that this thing is structured in this in this way in this way maybe i'm yeah I, maybe i'm speculating let's let's turn this let's turn this around on you <laughs> well, here's what i was gonna say because the individual types are all fascinating yeah but i but like what you were saying is uh, for me i didn't realize that there were other ways of being like, hmm. I kind of knew that I, I mean, I had a pretty good idea that I was introverted, but like, I didn't know that there were other, you know, like core motivations and that mine was different than everyone else's. Yeah. I mean, I immediately saw it, recognized it, but I wasn't conscious of it in those terms until I read like my type versus the other types. Yeah. And so then you go, Oh, wow. Cause like, I mean, the five is the observer and we used to come out of in eighth grade. We used to come out of the cafeteria at the whole middle school came out together. And there was that little amphitheater where everyone, I don't, I don't know why we would come out of the cafeteria and we would stand in the amphitheater yeah. For like three minutes. Yep. I guess they were cleaning up the cafeteria or something. Yeah. But the whole middle school, at least felt like it, maybe it was the whole grade, was just in this one spot as one large unit. And me and Chris Samanka would play this game, let's let's be the observers. And we would each go find a spot in the amphitheater and just observe the group and then we would report back to each other like anything interesting that we observed and we did this every, like every day for months we didn't at 14 yeah yeah we didn't talk to anyone the whole grade was hanging out we didn't yeah. talk to anyone we went and sat by ourselves and observed and then reported our findings to each other and we called it the observers. Let's go, let's go do be the observers. And look, it's like I, that doesn't even you couldn't even make that up. Like you couldn't no. write that. If you wrote that in a book, you'd be like, that's stupid. You no one does right. that. But then it's like, oh, but I didn't re even remember that. I forgot that about was that. and that was like the most unstructured social interaction you got all day. Yes. Were those three minutes after lunch when when you were just standing in the amphitheater, yep. right? 
like I remember at that time we that that was like the moment when we planned to go talk to the hot chick. Okay. Because everybody's going to be in like their little groups yeah. standing around. Yeah. And you're like, this is, I'll, I'll go, I'm going to go talk to her after lunch. Right. And uh, like in the most unstructured, socially interactive three minutes of the day. Yeah. Cause there was you, no you were like, you were like, let me go, let me go stand on the outside and just watch everybody for a minute. Yeah. Let me go see what these people do. I, and it was, it like the fact that I had found, it turns out that Chris is also a five. Yeah. The fact that I had found someone else that I could do it with and not so that it was a game instead of like just being weird was the most freeing feeling because it was like, if anybody's like, what are you doing? I'd be like, oh, me and Chris are, we're being, we're doing, we're taking observations. And like, I got a license to just like, be a scientist while everyone else was making friends. <laughs> <laughs> while everyone else was trying to find their homecoming date. Yeah. While everyone else was talking to girls. Yeah. Um. All right. So listen to this. So I wrote down what, um, what Freud, not Freud, but what Jung says about complexes. And he says it, a complex is the image of a certain psychic situation, which is strongly accentuated emotionally and is moreover incompatible with the habitual attitude of consciousness. This image has a powerful inner coherence. It has its own wholeness and in addition, a relatively high degree of autonomy. Hmm. So it like, it, it has like, he's basically like the whole it has its own pattern its own structure and it has a relatively high degree of autonomy meaning like it's just happy like this is just the way we work like the complex is working on it on its own um on its own volition like i'm not most of the time i don't even know it's it's running contrary to my consciousness like I can become aware of a complex, but nine times out of ten, what I'm doing is the result of the complex that I, I didn't even realize the, that the process was was happening. Yeah, and and you don't realize it until after it's happened. Yes, which is also I think a trait of the enneagram, at least for me, is I, I like when I'm doing it, I never know that I'm actually doing it. It takes it. It's always like right after the fact or sometime after when it becomes painfully apparent that I couldn't be more of a cliche in right in that experience that I'm following yeah. that pattern so perfectly. And the less time you have to react, the more autonomy the complex has, the architects. Yes. Like it's just yeah. it's just because there's no there's no conscious oversight of the decision-making process. It's just, right. it's just reactionary. Um, let's see. He says, so it has a relatively high degree of autonomy so that it is subject to the control of the conscious mind only to a limited extent. 
and therefore behaves like an animated foreign body in the sphere of consciousness. It behaves like an animated foreign body. And see, that's what, to me, that's what we're describing when we describe our Enneagram type. It's, it's a, it's a structure. It's like a, it's like a constellation that is just, it's just working and everybody's is unique to a degree, but it, everybody's fits into one of these types. Yeah. I, I mean, the way he talks about it, it sounds like it has agency. Right. It, it, it would have to, it would have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything that's happening in the psyche unconsciously by definition has its own agency. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so it reminds me of, um, uh, you want to make a sharp left turn here for a second? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So it reminds me of, of something that Friedrich Schleiermacher writes about and Schleiermacher is a 19th century German romantic theologian. And, uh, he, he's, he's, um, it's, uh, it, um, a, a set of speeches he gave called speeches on religion to its culture despisers, where he's kind of trolling these really educated, these really educated um, uh, social elites who think that they've like reasoned beyond uh, uh, like knowing God, right. That that's, right. that's beneath them. And yeah. so he says, um, he talks about religion and he's like, none of y'all get it. That's the reason why, you don't believe in religious experience because you actually have no idea what it is. And he says, it's, it's, it's not the lightning bolt. He says, it's, it's something that you overhear. He says in it, and it, you do nothing because of it, but everything with it. Hmm. In other words, it animates what you're doing, but the moment you become aware that it exists it's no longer a religious experience. That as you start to process and unpack it, you actually get further away from the experience itself, from the thing that you're experiencing. Right. And so, so you may you may be able to reflect on it and you may be able to like come up with these universal categories, right? Or come up with understand the patterns in it. I mean, that's that's what I that's what I do in phenomenology of religion but it's it's the thing that's always there that's animating you you're always doing it with religion you're never doing it because of it and so that's what i think of when you talk about these patterns and i don't think Schle i mean schleiermacher wouldn't ever use the word subconscious or unconscious but yeah. that's essentially what he's talking about he uses pre-reflective so it's before you realize it's happening yes which is saying the same thing yeah, yeah. That there's and, something out there or or in there, maybe. Yeah. Um that it's it's like uh the moment you start thinking about being angry, are you still angry? Can you be angry at the same time as you're thinking about it, right? And so so the thing that's like moving you, yeah, um, that you're carrying with you all the time, uh is is there whether you like it or not. And you don't have to know that it's there to be animated by it. Yes. 
which is why people become religiously zealous over science. Right, right. Or or <clears throat> religiously anti-science. But but that religious that animating religious energy spirit is is what it has its own it has its own what what does he say it has its own um volition it has its own um autonomy you know yeah it's a it, like it, it behaves like an animated foreign body it's it's animated it behaves like an animated foreign body because it is it's like an animating it's an animating um energy yeah it's and, it's move it's moving the puppets right yeah and so you can say or, or it's or it's weekend at bernie's and it's it's like hitting the play button on the stereo and it just starts back, and you yeah. just start it just starts you're doing it yeah yeah so you can say well that's not god God is not, you know, that, and that's what, the, yeah. you know, the, the scientific materialist would say, well, that animating energy is not God. And it's like, okay, then what is it? Right. You know, like, it's not, it's not atoms or, or what, or quarks, you know, like, what's animating the atoms and the quarks? Like, they're, they're animated. And so you have to you have to come up with some kind of explanation. Hey, which one of your kids was that? Was that, did you see it in the reflection? I, I could see it in Coach Prime's shin. Yeah, that was Pip. She's okay. home from school today. Okay. Um, I'm going to keep going because I think Jung is the, the genius of all geniuses. Yeah, um, yeah, keep going. So every constellation of a complex, so this is where he uses that term, Every constellation of a complex postulates a disturbed state of consciousness. The unity of consciousness is disrupted, disrupted, and the intentions of the will are impeded or made impossible. Okay. So, like, say, say that. Say that last part one more time. Okay. The, the unity of consciousness is disrupted, and the intentions of the will are impeded or made impossible. So that goes back to what you were saying. There's no, the prescriptive part, it, it, this, this is not prescriptive. That's right. Like, I can't be like, you know what? I should just be, I should really just be extroverted. Like yeah. that's impossible. It's honest. It's honestly impossible. Right. Um, or it's, you know, what does it say? It doesn't compute. Yeah. Significantly impeded. Those intentions would be significantly impeded by my Enneagram type. Even memory is often noticeably affected, as we have seen. The complex must therefore be a psychic factor that, in terms of energy, possesses a value that sometimes exceeds that of our conscious intentions. So basically, it has animating energy, more animating energy than we often want it to have. Or that we can be aware that it's having. Yeah. Is that what it when he says it exceeds our conscious our conscious intentions. Intentions. 
Yeah. So so it acts beyond what we're aware what we're aware yeah. of. Yeah. So like Napoleon didn't like he you know it, it, his that complex was prompting him to um unconsciously motivating altering his intentions yeah he was going beyond himself essentially beyond what he knew rationally to be or even emotionally to be um the best course of action the best decision um otherwise such disruptions of conscious order would not be possible at all so otherwise if it if it didn't have more energy than we're aware of then it wouldn't be able to affect our our behavior if it couldn't interrupt if it couldn't override our consciousness then it wouldn't um if it didn't have that much energy then it couldn't interrupt our consciousness in fact an active complex puts us momentarily under a state of duress of compulsive thinking and acting for which under certain conditions the only appropriate term would be the judicial concept of diminished responsibility is that is that um guilty by insanity yeah yeah so he's he's basically saying like most of the time we're so driven that you could tell the judge hey i had no control in yeah. this I, I was just doing what my what my enneagram type told me to do but i mean like that's what that's why like that paragraph right there is why it sounds your type sounds so much like a complex to me yeah it 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 seems it seems like that's the that's the nature of what we're describing when we describe your enneagram type yeah is your is your is the your your mind body heart complex it fits into one of those three yeah and it's it's so powerful that even when you're like i'm going to i'm going to break i'm going to break this pattern or like i'm not going to i'm not going to respond to this what like you you get stressed at work or what yeah. what whatever you know with your family or something and you're like okay i'm not going to respond to this like i would a typical whatever your number is you know you're still being controlled you're right. still responding to the yeah. complex. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's still dictating your behavior. So it's uh you you can't get away from it. No. Even even when you're like I'm going to respond differently. Yeah, you're still reacting though to your to the thing that's there. Yeah. It's like you're still, you're still, you might be saying something different in conversation with your, with your complex, the, the ego, the ego, you know, the conscious ego yep. communicating with the unconscious complex. Like you might say something different in response, but you're still having a conversation with your complex. <laughs> you just changed the way you respond. Like you just changed the 
the typical pattern a little bit, but it's still a it's still a give and take with your with your complex. Right. Yeah. It this this reminds me of what of what Jung wrote about with we've talked about this before, Matt, with calling with like a sense of vocation. Yeah. The way he describes it is um um as a uh, what does he say? It's a it's an irrational factor that acts as as if it were a law of God from which there is no escape. Mm-hmm. Right. But then I think if I remember correctly, he goes on to say the people that follow that or act in accordance with whatever that is. Mm-hmm. While it may sound like you're crazy, those are actually the people that are like not crazy right but he says and i think it's dated language but i think he talks about like the your mental institutions being full of people that have neuroses and like these destructive behavioral patterns because they haven't followed or because they've rejected whatever you know whatever that that animating factor is in their lives yeah they they're in conflict integrate it yeah that's right and so so even if so it's the people that are out there that are like in guilty by insanity that he describes that are that are actually most of us yes and it's the ones that refuse to integrate that or to uh bring that out of the bring it out of the shadow I, I don't know matt i don't know yeah. the and stuff but but yeah. bring that forward that are the ones that end up in really severe mental crises um yeah yeah and that's what that's what jung talks so much about is that you can say hey i don't have a complex i don't have an you can be you can be a four and say i don't have an enneagram type yeah but or this isn't really me or you can't put me in this box or whatever it however it is you respond to it by but you're essentially just repressing because you don't want to, you're repressing that inner the energy or, you know, what, what Freud and Jung would call the libido. You're ch- pushing the energy. You're denying the energy that that complex has. You're denying the force and the influence that that complex has on your behavior. Yeah. And when you do that, you just when you just push it back down and pretend like it's not there or ignore it, all it does is just take greater control over your your actions and reactions. It it, it starts ex- exerting it, it starts exerting greater force on you than if you brought it, if you acknowledged it and and looked at it and you were introspective about it um because that's so that's kind of that that i guess that that would be how the enneagram became the enneagram is because okay you've got these three types you've got the you know the intellect feeling acting the the head heart and body you got this triad well then if you start to examine it further if you start looking closer, well, then there's there's three 
you can break each of those three things down into three different complexes or three different patterns. You've got, so there, there's always one type that naturally, um, that naturally represses or is blind to that, that part of themselves. So the, you know, the, the body type, the nine is blind to that, to that body energy, the head type, the six is blind to that intellectual energy. And then the heart type, the three is sort of blind to their heart feelings or, mm -hmm. or, or it's repressed in some way. And then on either side of that, on either side of that repressed type, there's like what seems like sort of an external versus internal. So like the head type, the five is using the intellect to reflect, um, to go inside themselves, to explore their inner world. And the seven is using the intellect to explore the outer world. And then like the one, so it would be eight, nine, one, the eight is using their instinctive energy to take on the external world. The one is using their instinctive energy to take on their, their internal world. They're taking on themselves in order to perfect themselves. And the eights are trying to sort of stamp themselves in the world, put their stamp on the world. And the ones are trying to put their stamp on themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like the eights are trying to keep, keep that from coming into them. Right? Yeah. So they're projecting it out and the ones are the opposite. What's, what's insane about ones is that for all of the order that they produce in the world, right? Mm -hmm. That's just the overflow of of what they're projecting inside oh, right. on themselves. Yeah. So you're just seeing like a fraction of what they're experiencing internally. And you're like, wow, this is incredible. I've never seen somebody that could organize something like this. Right. And it just, it's just a tiny bit of what they've actually like experienced. Oh, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. It, it, it is. It, but it, uh, bottles the mind it bottles the mind for sure <laughs> but yeah you pick that like the that little that that like energy you pick up from and you could do this with the other types too but the, the energy you pick up from ones of them working so hard to make everything right is you're just seeing the you're you're just seeing the shadow of what's happening inside them to make yes. themselves right, and and you could say the same thing for for sevens, yeah. No, what? No, it'd be five. Fives. Fives would be internal. Like the little glimpses you get of like the thought pro, like what a five is thinking about. Like you have, you have no idea how deep they've gone down whatever rabbit hole. Like as a five, we're, we're concealing 95% of all the things that 
that we have pondered with all the energy we have. Yeah, well, Matt, I, I'll never forget the day that I found out that you were um, doing stand-up comedy. Like, I thought that this was a new thing for you. Oh. You, were like, no, you were like, no, man, I've been doing it for, I don't know, maybe a year <laughs> or two. And I was like, who else knows this? And you were like, ah, I don't know, I didn't really said anything yeah no i not nobody really i've been i've been thinking about it for a couple of years <laughs> oh yeah yeah but i've been thinking about i've been thinking about it like my whole life yeah and it, i just finally you know gave it a shot you but finally felt like you'd investigated it to the level where you could be competent where i could where i could take a us a, a step toward uh -huh. toward do, putting it out into the world yeah but but so but that that's the I think to me that makes sense. You've got the three, you've got the three centers, the head, the heart, and the body. And then from there that breaks down into three. You've got the 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 repre the repressed you know, you're repressing the center or you're projecting it out into the world, or you've turned it in you you're, you've turned it outward or you've turned it inward so that gives you three three types for ev for every center head heart and body which yeah. gives you nine which gives you nine yeah now you i mean people then you know i don't know how new this is but it's newer than the enneagram is the the instincts of self the self-preservation instinct the social instinct and the sexual instinct yeah which would break the types down even further into the threes and that those make sense on some level. I can, I can see that. Um, but what we were talking about, what, what you mentioned before is that we were talking about repressing this information down into the shadow yeah, and sort of denying this complex. But if you bring it into the light and you start to examine it, and and that's what consciousness ultimately that's what consciousness is doing we're we're breaking the whole the unity down into smaller and smaller pieces that we can process and digest that's what the conscious mind is doing is yeah. differentiating yeah. we're differentiating all the parts of the whole and so the more conscious we become of our of the enneagram and our type well, then you could probably, it probably won't be long till we break down the self-preservation instinct into three types, the social instinct into three and the sexual instinct into three. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're, we could, the more conscious of this we become and the more aware, like it, we're just going to keep breaking things down. Now, that's what we, that's what we do. That's what we do. That's what yeah. conscious. That's what consciousness is. Yeah, it's just differentiating night from day, me from you, parts in the whole. That's it. That's it. So, I mean, the three part. Okay, does it always break down in threes? I don't know. Maybe you know that. I don't know. I don't have a good explanation for that. Um to try to systematize the whole, you know, to wrap a bow yeah. around the whole thing. But going from three to nine 
makes pretty good sense to me. What do you mean going from three? To going nine? from three, three centers, body, oh, heart, yeah. heart and mind. Yeah. And then you've got repressed external, internal. So that, that nine makes, makes sense to me. Yeah. Do you, does that, do you see how I got there? Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it shows that there's some kind of order to it. Right. You know, um, And I, I think the moment that we, well, I think we will continue to like deconstruct this in eventually into nothing, right? Where, where all we're left with are a million different parts to the point where the parts don't have very much meaning. Yeah. And, and at that point, the pendulum will swing back and we'll say, yeah, but, but the parts only have meaning within the whole. Right. So we can deconstruct this forever and eventually we'll just be left with talking about, you know, like random things um, that we can't connect. Um, yeah. Like, it, it, I mean, it's like, look at anything in the world, right? I mean, look at the way we break down, the way we break down molecules and cells and how all of these things are going to interact to form like a body, right? A, a living body yeah um, if we take them on their own then they don't mean anything or at least they mean something totally different but it's only in the context of whatever the whole is that yeah. they become meaningful that yeah exactly and, and i got... think that's that's where that's what i i like maybe I'm and I'm sure like I'm reading myself into this but I always want to like try to keep in mind that this only works as part of the whole yes otherwise I just otherwise I I just end up feeling ridiculous and I'm like I think I'm just justifying or rationalizing my own behavior here yeah instead of describing or helping me understand why I'm doing something yes because if it's not helpful and then it doesn't have meaning exactly what you're saying yeah if we we can't we can only break it down or maybe we, we can break it down but we should only break it down to the furthest point we can without losing the meaning so right like theoretically we could have eight billion enneagram types because there's 8 billion people in the world, but that's not helpful. Like it doesn't give you anything to you to use or to, it doesn't give you a tool. It doesn't give you well, insight. As, as the nine here, it doesn't help me. It doesn't connect me to the universe in any way. Right. I don't feel like I'm connected to humanity. I don't. And that's, I think maybe what I was just describing was like, the feeling of making sure that what we're doing is in some way connecting us to the larger thing that's out there. Yeah. The thing that gives us meaning, right? Whatever you do, don't disconnect me from that thing. Yeah. And whatever you do, don't give me useless information, knowledge, like, right. Like that doesn't help. It doesn't like, I can't use that information if there's 8 billion types. Okay. So then what's a helpful What's a helpful um, 
sort of floor that we can break things down where if we break them down any further, then we're 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 into yeah. meaninglessness. Where where you can both understand your own experience um and you can still also troll your friends in the group thread. Exactly. That's exactly. the that's the litmus test. Yeah. Well, and that that that's funny because like fours would say nine types is where it's already meaningless. Like yeah. you can't, yeah. Like it doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't help you understand me at all because I'm one, I'm one in 8 billion. Right. And yeah, that's, they're not wrong. Like that's true. They, they every, are. Every snowflake is designed. Every usually. snowflake is designed by God. Mm-hmm. handcrafted mm-hmm. that so yet yeah, that is true but that doesn't mean that having nine types isn't helpful like it is yeah it like we haven't reached that nine is not that is not that limit yeah or that it doesn't mean that there aren't a billion other people out there that also think that they have transcended the nine types in the exact same way that you do. Right. <laughs> yeah. You just put yourself in a type. Yeah. By saying that no type can, can fit you. I mean, I, I had, I had this student, I had this student once who was, who was an Enneagram four, um, who used to always, who did, she resented very much that I would, I would low key troll her pretty hard for being an Enneagram four and she'd get kind of angry about it. Um, uh, and she would always bring me these examples of how of how she was different than the other Enneagram fours. And I was like, you got to make it harder for me than this. Yeah. Um, but it's like you you're you're doing it. <laughs> you're doing right. it right now. <laughs> you're be, you're doing the four thing right. I would now. I would just be like, you're right. There, you are so unique. There are, it's just not possible to capture the essence of who you are with the other fours who have also told me the exact same thing which is which is what we're talking that it's the yeah. it's the it's the um the it's the animating energy that's running contrary to your yes. intentions that's it you're right your you're you're right. immediate intention is to try to convince my professor that i am completely unique <laughs> but but your complex is proving to your professor yes that you fit into this particular category at this particular moment that that you have somehow transcended beyond uh the the history of religious experience of recorded religious experience of vocation that you have you have done it you did it 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 has worked for every single other person until we got to you yeah it, it's it's like <laughs> it's like they it's like running it's like running around the enneagram symbol and and then sitting right back down in the in the <laughs> that's great in the, in the four spot every time yeah, yeah. <laughs> like every time you try you just come you just sit back in the same seat every time you sit down that's right yeah um so what's what 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 I think is interesting is that because I'm I'm reading um, 
the origins and history of consciousness yeah by eric neumann who was a, who was uh, a disciple of um or a protege of Jung, and he talks about and i i feel like this is pretty typical of analytical psychologists or depth psychologists you know people from the freudian union way of doing psychoanalysis is to say that our person we're we're becoming conscious in order to establish our a a personality like our personality is a product of consciousness because under the forces of our unconscious like we're not unique we're just we're just this system we're just this system of like actions and reactions and and animal instincts you know we get hungry we go find food we uh-huh. we get hit we go hit back you know if, right. if there's a threat we eliminate the threat and we make babies and we get like we're just if we're following all of our unconscious instincts we don't have we haven't developed a personality yet so i'm not even sure to the degree to which we can say the enneagram is a personality test because it's not it's only when we become as we raise our level of consciousness and take things out of our out of the unconscious part of our psyche and move them into the conscious part that we can even that we're even free to act out our true selves yep right and so if we're not acting out our true self then we don't have a true person our personality is only the expression of our true self right so it's actually limiting uh yeah yeah so so when we talk about it in in a like in the typical way we're actually limiting limiting the the experience or the or the um the 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 personality aspect of of it like a a is is that right? We're we're talking about a shallower version of of the thing. Yeah. We're talking about we're talking about idiosyncrasies. That's right. That's it. Yeah. We're not talking about personality. We're not talking about identity. We're not having an ontological conversation. Right. Yes. Yep. So like because an, animals don't have personalities. They have right. they have idiosyncrasies. I mean, yes. anim, you know, one squirrel is different from another squirrel to some degree. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that squirrels have personalities because a personality yeah. is is a byproduct of consciousness. A true personality is a byproduct of consciousness. And, and only when be and, and that's the way, I mean, that's the, that's the upward, that's the upward vision of the Enneagram is that we become conscious and then we can escape the 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 counter energy that 
that force, that that counterforce, that counterbalance that's moving us away from what we intend, that has its own volition and its own, that force inside our psyche that has its own will. It, the only way to move beyond that is just to become conscious of it. And once to the degree you become conscious of it, it loses its it loses its power. It's it loses its force. It's libido. The libido energy is transferred from the complex into our consciousness. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like going back to that, going back to Schleiermacher on religion. It's like the moment you become conscious of a religious experience, you're not experiencing, it's not a religious experience anymore. Mm -hmm. It's it, it's a It's a watered down version of whatever that thing was. Right. It no longer becomes the thing that you were experiencing because now you're conscious of it and you're trying to map it and you're trying to understand it. Yeah. Um, you're trying to pick it apart and deconstruct it. But once you become, once you're able to say, once it's no longer pre-reflective, once it's reflective, it's not, then it's not that thing anymore. It's lost its force. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So so the true person the true personality and and matt the thing that sorry the thing about about it losing its force is that um if if once you become conscious of the thing the thing is no longer that that god i hate the way i'm talking but the thing is no longer that thing um what that also means though is that you can't control it because you can't say well i'm going to become unconscious of it right so that I can get back to that experience. It, it doesn't work that way. Because if you're saying, I'm going to become unconscious of it so that I can get back to the thing, you're becoming, you're conscious of it. The fact that yes. you're doing that. Yes. And so, so it means that you can't control that thing. Right? It, in other words, it's what you talked about, I don't know, at the beginning. It has a volition. Mm -hmm. It exercises its own agency apart from me or apart from my consciousness. Yes. That's what I, that I can't control. Right. It, it is, is its own animating factor. And it, it's almost like, um, I mean, we talk, a lot of people talk about the ego consciousness as just like a flashlight that we can like this higher awareness that we can shine on different parts of ourselves to illuminate. Mm -hmm. And what you're trying to do, you can't, you can't control that, 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 that complex can't control that part of you that has developed for unconsciously for your survival. All you can do is take the light of consciousness and shine it on that complex, but that somehow is the alchemy of 
like minimize it, 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 it like minimizes yep the power of that complex in the same way that in the same way that conscious recollection and deconstruction minimizes the religious experience a, a past religious experience it, it minimizes the force of that of that complex so yeah. there's nothing to be done is what we're is what we're getting yeah. at yes like there's nothing to be done about our type there's no should or shouldn't it's just that as we become aware of our type we can begin to expand our consciousness and and now display or produce our true personality yeah well, and it, sorry matt i interrupted no you. keep go ahead. go ahead well and it sounds counterintuitive but the the more we develop our own personality the more we are able to hear and see others yes for who they are because we begin to realize that we are different in a certain kind of way mm -hmm. and that we're the same in a certain kind of way yes and so we're actually able to see others more completely as we're able to see ourselves more completely yes which is an extraordinary thing yes. and again it sounds so counterintuitive but it's not because we really only know ourselves in comparison to others or in comparison to the other and other thing, right? So how do I know anything about myself if I don't have something to compare it to? Mm -hmm. How do I know whether I'm, you know, whether I'm loud or quiet, short or tall, big or small, you know, um, you know, how do I know any of the, any of these things unless I've seen or experienced something else? Right. Um, so and, the more we're able to understand ourselves, the more we're able to to see others as themselves. Yeah, Be and and the the big thing that jumps out to me in that process is projection, because the more I discover myself, the less I project myself <laughs> uh -huh. onto everyone else. Right. Like, because if I understand who I am and I understand what's happening in my unconscious and I see it for what it is, then I'm less likely to put that onto the world around me. If it's repressed and I don't know what's happening beneath the surface, I'm going to be constantly assuming that other people are operating out of this same energy. And the things that are repulsive to me, I'm going to put those on other people yep. and I'm not going to see them for who they are. Yep. It's, it's like when you're growing up and you just, you know, ev like every family is, is, is every family system is crazy in some way, right? Mm -hmm. Completely irrational in some way, every single one, but you don't know that as a kid, right? You just assume everybody else's family is doing what yours is doing. Yeah. And then you go spend the night at your buddy's house and you're like, oh my God, like this world that I just entered into is wild. Yeah. 
Yeah. You're like, my, your mind is blown because they're like, they're, they're eating their cheeseburger in the car. And you're like, you're allowed to do that. This is crazy. Yeah. You eat um, cereal for dessert. Yeah. 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 And, and, but, but until you get to that point, you just assume everybody else is doing the same thing. And it also shows you what part of your system is, you know, it, the, the, craziness in your system or the irrationality in your system yes yeah yeah so you you have to go through that process of self of it's almost it's not it it feels like deconstruction in, initially where you're like, where's the, where is the bottom of it? Like, if I start pulling, if I start pulling at threads of my behavior and my my mindset, my paradigm, like th that's just going to be a bottomless pit, and that's not. And I think that's almost like. I think that's an energy that ones get, where it's like this is not going to help me be a better person. Like, I'm just going to, it's just going to tear apart the foundations that I've built. But really, you're just, by pulling at these threads, you're just untying and loosen. You're just opening up. You're basically just opening up what's underneath there so that it, so that it can be exposed, so that it can be seen in the light. And that you can now integrate that part of yourself into your full, into your true self. And you can, you can get, you can, you can figure out what's, what's in there. You know, whether I, this is yes. part of me that I want to keep or part of me that I, that I, I don't want to be a part of me, but you can't, by repressing it, you'll never get there. If you don't start pulling at the strings, you'll never see what's yeah. in there. And I think that's that's a challenge for a lot of ones who who have who who uh, tend toward like black and white. Yeah, right. It's good or bad. It's it's either perfect or or it's uh, it's tarnished. Um, to not see, and when you talk about bringing something into the light, to not see, not assume that that means that something's bad. It just means that it's undiscovered. Right. Right. And so it, it's not good or bad. There's actually no quality verdict that's being placed on the thing. It's just there. Right. And that's that's a challenge, I think, for ones oftentimes to not to not be or to be able to accept the fact that how can it how can it be neither right nor wrong, good nor bad? Right. How can it just be what it is? Yeah. There is there's a should or shouldn't in there somewhere. It, it, absolutely. Yes, yeah. that's it. How yeah. can how can it not contain a should or a shouldn't? Yeah, and I think th there's a lot of there's a lot of ways. There are other types who also resist. I, I mean, you know, for, we've talked about fours. Of course, yeah. They don't want to unpack it because they're going to see what's what's the same about them, or what yeah. what's categorical about them. Right. And sevens, sevens only want to unpack 
the you know the first line or two. Well, sevens don't want to pack it because it might hurt. Yeah, it might it, be unpleasant. They might have to do, and then they might have to do hard work. At you know after they yeah, you know find out what's what's happening and threes you know it's like what is this this doesn't get me anywhere. Um, yeah, what, where's the achievement here? Unless I'm in like an Enneagram workshop in which I'll be the best Enneagram. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. this doesn't move me forward in the world. Um, yeah. And and, and, and fives, we, we, we could just swim in it all day in the information from a, from a behind a, uh, you know, a double mirror where we're we sort of take our brain out put it in the lab and then and then look at it a distant you know it, which is avoidance in a different in a different way yeah um yeah and and nines nines are like well i could or or i could just pretend that it's not there right uh, if i look at it that means i have to acknowledge that it exists so yeah uh, maybe maybe I'll um, maybe I'll go read a book or take maybe maybe it doesn't exist after yeah. all. Who's who's to say? Who's to say? Let, let me go ask a friend. Yeah. Let me go. Let me go call my brother. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> you've been thinking about this for years. Can you tell yeah. me? And if he doesn't tell me exactly what I want or what I think, then yeah. maybe yeah, maybe I'll talk to somebody else. Yeah, uh, but whatever I'm going to do is not going to interrupt my my energy right because then that would require more emotional energy yeah um so well i think this is a pretty good stopping point yeah but but that was really good um insight um because i I want people to be able to explore this in the context of really getting somewhere with their own um with their own I don't want to I don't want to say mental health or but just toward their own Toward fulfilling every every everything that starts to come out of my mouth is a cliche. There's no way to say it, but you just have to lean into it. Yeah, but toward their own um, true self. Yeah, the, this is that's the reason I started the meme account was because everyone was putting it in the language of like superpower and true and your true self and it was like no this is like it only works because it stings um and it's just basically this is basically what everybody really thinks about your type like you think it's a superpower everybody else rolls their eyes um, yeah and the fact that you're telling me it's a superpower tells me you're probably three three or seven or maybe you're seven. Yeah. 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 But it, but if it's just in turn, if, if this is just a, if this is just a personality test, 
Or a self-help tool, right? Or Yeah, or a self-help tool. Forget about it. Like, who yeah. needs it? Um, but if this is a way to unpack who you really are, what's really what's really driving you and ultimately how to escape, you know, how to escape the unconscious forces that are dictating your, your life story. Yep. Um, then it's, then it really is interesting. Yeah. And, and it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning where it, it's a framework for your to, to process or to understand your experiences. It's a vocabulary, right? Right. It's, um, it's a, it's a tool not to, not to make you better or worse because it's not prescriptive. Right. It's just a tool to better understand what's happening or yeah. to better communicate what you think is happening. Yeah. But the, and, 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 and to troll your friends and to troll your friends endlessly. Right? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But if it doesn't make sense, if you can't, I, I really feel some people can just go, well, it's a mystery. And if it's pretty cool, right? That's fine. That works for some people. But yeah, for a lot of people, it's like, well, how? Like, how does this, how does this map onto anything? Yeah. Um, I, I do think, I do think, you know, we've touched on a lot of it and there's still more to be understood but i think the basic framework um does does map onto our experience yeah yeah agreed all right dude all right well let me i'm gonna hit hit on record or stop recording <laughs>